Hi, CityCast listeners. Oil companies' favorite option to fight global warming is looking less and less viable. Is carbon capture a magical unicorn that is just not going to work out? Is Houston's green energy future screwed? Talking with me today is CityCast business and economics contributor Lauren Steffi. It is Monday, July 25th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Hey, Lauren. Good morning. I always love the episodes where I get you to explain things that I can't figure out. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what I want to do today. All right. With carbon capture. Not long ago, there were these big plans that I read about to turn Houston into a carbon capture hub. There were lots of people in the oil and gas industry who were excited about it as a way to fight greenhouse emissions. And it looked like it could be great for Houston's economy. So just to get started, can you explain what carbon capture is? Yeah, so carbon capture is kind of just what it sounds. You actually capture the carbon at its source, uh, for example, a power plant, and you you then pipe it to an underground storage facility. So you're literally pumping it back into the ground. Some carbon capture programs are actually trying to use it to enhance oil production, uh, you know, where you inject it into an oil well to boost uh, oil recovery from an older so well. So you like inject this gas into the well and it pushes out the it oil? It pushes out oil, yeah. So it, it okay. basically it's a way that, that you get more life out of existing wells. You don't have to drill new ones. But but that doesn't have to be. That's that's kind of the more sort of pipe dreamy aspect. The idea, the main idea is you <laughs> just capture it and you, you put it in the ground so it's not released into the atmosphere. So the oil and gas companies liked it because that lets them keep producing oil and gas. Correct. While it would, cutting it, emissions. It would significantly reduce emissions from burning fossil fuels, which would therefore reduce the environmental impact of fossil fuels and they could they could produce more. And it also makes them look socially responsible because they're trying to do something about the the consequences of their products. Problem with carbon capture is that it's it's an idea. It's a science fair project. You know, it, it has not been proven on an economically viable scale, which is always the trick. And I think part of the reason you've heard less talk about it recently is that oil and gas prices are really high and carbon capture is expensive. It's an added cost onto, you know, everything else. And so with with prices at these levels, I think it's it's something that is not as attractive as it was, you know, even a few years ago. Where do plans for carbon capture stand now? You know, there were some big projects in Houston that just didn't really play out. They didn't prove to be economical mm-hmm. on a large scale. Why, when oil and gas is more expensive, is carbon capture more well, just, expensive? It just adds to the cost, right? I mean, oh, it, okay. it, if, if you have to sequester carbon, then then you're adding to the cost of the overall use of fossil fuels. And nobody wants to make people pay more at the pump right now. Exactly. And then there's been other issues. I mean, as with everything else, you have the supply chain issues. It's harder to get pipes. So if you're Mm -hmm. trying to install a new facility, it's going to be difficult to find labor. It's going to be difficult to find equipment, that kind of thing. But I I think that the overall effort continues. There's still companies that are doing work with carbon capture. It seems to be one of those things that works better when it's more concentrated. So for example, if you're capturing carbon at an oil and gas well and then re-injecting it into that well, those types of programs seem to be getting a little more traction. But you know, this is early stage technology. So it's too early to to completely write it off, but it also has a long way to go in terms of uh, becoming something that is widely used. 
used. So I've been watching national politics a lot. And there was this, I know, (laughs) it keeps me up at night. But okay, there was there was the Supreme Court decision recently about the EPA's ability to set sort of a carbon credits market that would let people, you know, basically pay for carbon capture. And also, you know, Joe Manchin just stank up the Democrats' efforts to do anything about the environment recently. Does that have any effect on what the industries are doing, or is it more the market? Well, I think it's more the anticipation of the effect that it will have. I mean, certainly Mm -hmm. it creates some disincentives to put more money in the carbon capture. You know, if you're already investing in it and you already see some promise Mm -hmm. in it, you're probably going to continue. But if you were thinking of getting into it, uh, you know, now there's, you know, the EPA is not potentially is not going to come down on you as hard for carbon emissions. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. again, it's kind of one of the problems we have when it comes to energy, whether it's renewables or or, or fossil fuels, is these require long-term investments. And the more uncertainty you create about what the landscape's going to look like in, in you know, two years or five years or mm-hmm. 10 years, the harder it is to get people to get behind stuff. So you know, if you want people to do the right thing, there has to be some consistency and continuity here, as well as the incentives. Having you know, one regulator beat up on them is, is fine. You know, companies will respond to that. They'll say, okay, this is the way it's going to be going forward. Mm-hmm. But if that's not the way it's going to be going forward, then eventually companies just sort of throw up their hands and say, well, we can't figure out what to do, so we're just not going to do anything. And that's not what we want. Yeah. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What are the oil companies doing right now as they are looking at the future? I mean, I saw an Exxon stockholders projection where by 2030, they thought the price of oil might drop to 36 bucks a barrel. Could oil companies survive on that? Well, I, I should caution you. Uh, uh-huh. One thing I always say when people talk about what oil prices are going to do is that every prediction that's ever been made on oil prices has been wrong, including <laughs> including, including my own. So um, the one great uncertainty in life uh-huh. is that we don't know what oil and gas prices are going to do. But yeah. I think uh, this summer has been a reminder of how quickly that kind of thing can change, right? We're still very beholden to to oil markets in particular. And I think we're going to be more beholden to natural gas markets going forward. And so back to your question, can oil companies make money at whatever price? Mm-hmm. You know, look, the big guys have deep financial pockets and they will make whatever decisions they need to make. If they need to pivot into other markets, they have the resources to do that. Exxon spent years not mm-hmm. replacing its reserves. Yeah. I remember writing a column in the mid 2000s about how Exxon was a self-liquidating trust. And, you know, they may go back to that, right? I mean, these companies could just simply pump the reserves that they have and continue on for years. So I think the bigger concern in terms of how all this plays out is the smaller companies that don't have those kind of resources. And, you know, how are they going to survive? And what is that going to mean for jobs at that level? Yeah. 
And so what might happen there? I think that's going to be a lot tougher for companies that don't have the deep pockets of, of a major, you know, of an Exxon or a BP mm-hmm. or something like that or Shell. And so I, I think those companies are the ones that are really going to struggle. And, you know, they account for a lot of the jobs. And and I think we've talked about before on this podcast that, you know, a lot of these oil field jobs, they pay very, very well for people with, you know, limited education. So if you have a high school degree, you can still make six figures in the oil patch really tough to find that pretty much anywhere else. And that's going to have a huge ripple effect on our society. We're going to have to be prepared for that, the economic fallout from that. Wow. Okay. Let's appoint you emperor of the Houston economy. (laughs) (laughs) I've waited a long time for this. There are going to be some changes. All right. What are you going to do? How do you fix all this? Are Um, we screwed? Well, I mean, look, the the problem is you can't fix it at the Houston level. All of these companies are beholden. Ultimately, they're beholden to the international oil market, which is controlled by OPEC. And so it's a very difficult thing, oil in particular. But energy is one of the few markets where, you know, companies don't control the price of their products. And so it makes it very difficult. Uh, You can't just mandate a solution. Here's the thing about Houston. I, I've said this before. I know I've said it on this podcast. You know, it's the city of big mm-hmm. ideas. There are a lot of smart people in town that are working on these problems and that are coming up with innovative ideas and and they're forming companies and mm-hmm. they're working on new types of battery technology and biofuels mm-hmm. and all these things. It's not going to be any one solution. It's going to be a lot of different solutions, a lot of things we need to look at. And I think Houston is actually in a great position to be at the center of a lot of that activity, given the huge depth of knowledge that the city has when it comes to energy of all kinds. All right. I'm going to like leave while you've given me a shred of hope. (laughs) (laughs) That seems like a good place to end. (laughs) Yeah. The other yeah. thing, not to, you know, not to kill the buzz here, but the other oh, thing. Oh, here it goes. No, the, oh. the other thing I, I would say is that when you, you ask what are the oil companies yeah. doing and, and what we're seeing a lot of them do right now is talk a lot about net zero and how they're going to get to zero carbon emissions and that kind of thing. Yeah. And that makes my little environmentalist heart leap up. But here you go. I'm just not sure uh-huh. I really believe that it's going to happen. I'm not sure they can actually do that. And my concern is that, and there's been some some actual, some, some climate studies, some climate scientists have actually written papers papers about this, sort of raising the issue that net zero is is kind of becoming a dodge, that there's a real risk mm-hmm. that it becomes a dodge and that we sort of say, oh, yeah, companies are convinced they can make money and save the planet. And then when it doesn't happen, it's going to be too late, right? So I, oh, I think yeah. that's a big concern is that mm-hmm. when you look at a lot of these net zero plans, it's sort of like, well, we're going to do this, this, and this. And then a magical unicorn is going to fall out of the sky and it's going to enable us to do this. And that's going to save us. <laughs> you know, It's like a lot of the technology they're counting on isn't really there yet. And that includes carbon capture. So I think we need to be cautious about that. It's great that oil companies see the need to want to try to do the right thing. But I think we also right. have to make to find sure- our magical unicorns. Right. We have to make sure that we are making the progress we need to make as a society because it it may not work. And I think that's the other thing that as we're seeing this summer, people ought to be thinking a lot more about how do we deal with the effect of climate change because we may not really be able to do much to stop what's coming. Yeah. So, All right. Sorry. I took away. I know you, you, you can reverse the order of those things so that you can still end on the high note. <laughs> All right. But that's a call to action. This is what we got to do, or at least what I need to be watching. Yep. Maybe I can do more about this than I can about national politics. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, if you're I emperor mean, of the economy, you know. 
Uh, well, if I were emperor of the economy, <laughs> I would make members of Congress actually make decisions about economic policy. But that's that's a different story. That's a different. Yeah, pod, I only that's made you emperor of the Houston economy. <laughs> 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 I guess the city's not going to fix this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Lauren. You bet. Good talking with you. Good to talk to you. All right. Take care, guys. That was Lauren Steffi. Now I am here with producer Farrell Gibbs. Farrell. What else is going on around Houston today? Thank you, Lisa. Well, I wonder if you've ever heard this term before, splooting, which is apparently what squirrels around Texas have been doing. They have been splooting in response to this extreme weather. It went viral on TikTok and other social media sites. Squirrels videoed in San Antonio, Dallas, the campus of UT. They've been flopping their bellies down onto the cool ground with all four limbs stretched out. Even in Houston, There have been videos of them flattened out across picnic tables or straddling a two-by-four in the shade. They have even been lying flat up in trees on tree limbs with their little critter legs dangling over the side, just trying to get a bit of relief from the soaring temps or maybe just giving up altogether. According to Collins Dictionary, splooting means exactly that, when an animal lies flat with hind legs stretched out behind the body. And the word origin? Well, it says perhaps the word sploot was altered from splat. That is it for our show today. If y'all have seen splooting squirrels and you have photos, please, 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 please tag us on Instagram. We want to share those with the world. We are at CityCast Houston. Talk with you tomorrow. I'd rather see your face, but... We have this artistic representation of me instead. It's on our website. Uh So they have characters of of all the people who work at the company. It was obviously done a few years ago because there's less gray in my beard than, (laughs) than, you know, reality would reflect.